0: We meet today in Psalm chapter 88 and chapter 89. Psalm 88 speaks of confidence in God in the midst of suffering. However, this psalm is the saddiest and gloomiest of the psalms. In it, there is not one ray of hope or expectation of deliverance, actually. It is called a song, a psalm of the sons of Korah, to the chief musician set to Mahalath, Leonoth, a contemplation of Haman the Ezrahite. Now, Haman the Ezrahite is best identified as Haman of the tribe of Judah. That is in first Kings four verse thirty-one, first Chronicles two, verse six. Rather than the Heman of the tribe of Levi who was one of David's three chief musicians. So, Psalm 87 was all glory. Now, this psalm is all gloom. It is a lamentation. It is a cry. O Lord God of my salvation, I have cried day and night before you. Psalm 88 verse 1. Now, If you would like to say, the one ray of hope in this psalm is that he is the God of my salvation. And the psalmist is holding on to that. It is mere speculation, of course. But this psalm has been applied to Job and to Uzziah who had leprosy and to Jeremiah in the dungeon and to Hezekiah when he was sick. But no matter who is in view. This psalm describes great suffering. Yet in all of this suffering and affliction, the writer there maintains his confidence in God as the God of his salvation. That is the great theme of this psalm if you want to maintain it and not highlight all the suffering that is brought about in this psalm. I have been afflicted and ready to die from my youth. I suffer your terrors. I am distraught. Psalm 88 verse 15. You see, this person is in a tough place. Wrath, death, and grave and darkness are all summed up together by the sufferer. Now, here is psalm chapter 8 to 8 verse 16 to verse 18 we read your fierce wrath has gone over me your terrors have cut me off they have come around me all day long like water they engulfed me together loved one and friend you have put far from me and my acquaintances into darkness. You see, unlike other psalms which begin with deep distress but end with the joy of deliverance, this psalm closes with the word darkness. Actually, Hengstenberg has this comment to put to this psalm. The psalm ends with an energetic expression of its main thought, the immediate vicinity of death. The darkness is thickest at the end, just as it is in the morning, before the rising of the sun. You see, that is the picture that is painted here. So it is actually a psalm of darkness, a psalm of complaint. But there is a ray of hope, the God of salvation. Psalm 89 is a psalm of the Davidic covenant. It is the final psalm in the Leviticus section. Actually, the New Scofield Reference Bible calls this psalm of the Davidic Covenant, the psalm of the Davidic Covenant. And I like that because it is what that psalm is all about. This great psalm was written by Ethan the Rahite. It is a miskal, which means it is one of instruction. Ethan was probably a singer who belonged to the tribe of Levi. The writer is not identified for us purposefully, I think, because it is the faithfulness of God that is exalted in this psalm. The faithfulness of God is mentioned ten times, which makes it obvious that the psalmist is emphasizing God's faithfulness. The word covenant is mentioned four times, and with it God says, I have sworn three times. Also, I will not lie or curse four times. It is quite a contrast to the previous psalm, which was all gloom and no glory at all. This one is all glory and no gloom. It is a psalm of great excitement. And it rests upon the covenant that God made with his servant, David. When we were studying Second Samuel, we spent a lot of time in chapter 7, which records God's covenant with David. If you want to know how important it is, you will find it referred to again and again in the writings of the prophets. And here also is a psalm devoted to that covenant. Psalm 89 verse 1. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. My friend, is God good to you? I'm sure he is. He certainly is good to me, and because of that, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I thank God I could even uh, sing some songs. I would like to join the Praise and worship team, I would like to join the choir every time I have an opportunity to do so in church. The mercies of the Lord are wonderful, and we need to sing them. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness. I will use my mouth to make known his faithfulness. That is why I even use my mouth and share God's word with you, my friend. Notice the pronoun is your It is God's faithfulness, not man's faithfulness. It is praise to God for his faithfulness to David. Then down in verse 24 we read, But my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with you. The pronoun has changed because it is God now who is speaking. All the references in this psalm, regardless of the pronoun used, refer to the faithfulness of God. Psalm 89 verse 2 says, For I have said, Mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall establish in the very heavens. My friend, God is faithful. Our salvation rests upon the death of Christ and the faithfulness of God in serving those who put their trust in him. It is what God says that is important, not what man says. And God would lose his reputation if he did not make good his covenant to David. God would cease to be God if he will not make good his covenant with us upon receiving our salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. How good our God is. He is a faithful God. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to my servant David. Psalm eighty-nine, verse 3. So God here says he made a covenant with David. Perhaps you have heard someone in business sarcastically saying contracts were meant to be broken. Tragically, that is all too often true. People today make and break commitments with seeming abandon, with carelessness. On paper, they may agree to certain terms, but when the terms are no longer convenient, they renege on their commitments, or they will end the relationship at the first sign of failure on the other person's part. God is not like man, that you should lie, nor the Son of Man, that you should repent. You see, my friend, when God speaks, he will do something. His covenant with David is an unconditional commitment that he will honor no matter what. It is much like a parent's commitment to a child. Indeed, God tells his people, Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. Isaiah 49, verse 15. And that speaks of God's faithfulness and his commitment to his covenant. You see, God has made a covenant with believers today that is just as firm as his covenant with David. He does not back out of the relationship just because we may disappoint him. No, no, no. God will still be true to his word. His commitment is incomparable because he is without equal, verse 6 of Psalm 89 tells us. He is overwhelmingly faithful, verse 8, verse 24, and verse 33. He will be true to his word because his commitment is unbreakable and unalterable, and that is verse 34 of this same chapter. You see, my friend, when God agrees to do something, whether it is to send the Messiah or to save a believer, his commitment is built on a love that far exceeds human love, sticking with the object of its affection, sometimes even in the face of outright rebellion or abject failure. As Paul described it to his spiritual son Timothy, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. 2 Timothy 2 verse 13 My friend, are you looking for a love that will not fail? If so, your deepest longings can be met in a relationship with the covenant-keeping God, not with man. Psalm 89 verse 5 And the heavens will praise your wonders, O Lord. Your faithfulness also In the assembly of the saints. You see, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Psalm 19 verse 1 tells us it. But the faithfulness of God has more glory connected with it than the heavens, my friend. O Lord, your faithfulness also in the assembly of the saints. You see, his faithfulness towards us deserves our praise. O Lord of hosts, who is mighty like you, O Lord? Your faithfulness also surrounds you. Psalm 89 verse 8. You see, we certainly get the impression that he is talking about the faithfulness of God. And God is faithful. Psalm 89 verse 20 tells us, I have found my servant David with my holy oil. I have anointed him. God says, I will make good what I promised David at that time I anointed him. That is amazing. God rests upon what he has promised David. But my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him, and in my name his horn shall be exalted. Psalm 89 verse 24. You see, the horn here speaks of his strength and even his power his rulership also i will make him my firstborn the highest of the kings of the earth psalm 89 verse 27 god's covenant to david was that he would be sending one in his line the covenant centers on the lord jesus christ of him god says Also I will make him my firstborn, higher than the kings of the earth. Look at this. Isn't it wonderful? When God sent the Lord Jesus Christ into the world, he came as the only begotten son, and by his incarnation yonder at Bethlehem, there at Bethlehem, he became the son of God. Thus he was revealed in his life of humiliation. God manifested in the flesh. And after he died a sacrificial death, for that is the reason that he came from heaven, he became in resurrection the firstborn, the first begotten from the dead. He is speaking of the resurrected Christ. When you read, also I will make him my firstborn, the resurrected Jesus Christ, the one who came back from the dead after he had died on the cross. It simply means that the scepter of this universe is in the nail-pierced hands of the Son of God. But we are told that he is higher than the kings of the earth. This means that the Lord of lords and the King of kings is higher than any president, is higher than any monarchy on the earth. The psalmist now is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore again he says, My mercy I will keep for him forever, and my covenant shall stand firm with him. Psalm 89 verse 28 Now we must correctly divide the word of truth. Verses 29 all the way to 32 cannot speak of Christ, but now they speak of David's posterity. Suppose that David's children forsake God, what will God do? Here is Psalm 89, verse 29 to verse 32. His seed also I will make to endure forever, and his throne as the days of heaven. If his sons forsake my law and do not walk in my judgments, if they break my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgressions with the rod and their iniquity with the stripes. Now, does it sound as though God is through with his children if they are not faithful to him? It doesn't sound so. Apparently, he will chastise them. He will punish them. He will rebuke them. He will discipline them, but still bringing them back. Listen to the next statement when you read in Psalm 89, verse 33. Nevertheless, my loving kindness, I will not utterly take from him, nor allow my faithfulness to fail. Oh, my friend, I may be faithless, but my God is faithful. I may fail him, but he will not fail me. What a wonderful assurance I have in following a God like this. Next, God takes an oath concerning the covenant that he made with David. Here is Psalm 89, verse 34 to verse 36. My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my mouth. Once I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. His seed shall endure forever, and his throne as the sun before me. Now at this very moment there is one sitting at the right hand of God who is coming to earth to sit on that throne of David. He is the Lord Jesus Christ, the son of David. Psalm 89 verse 37 says, It shall be established forever like the moon, even like the faithful witness in the sky, Selah. You see, David will have a son who will sit on the throne of the universe. The fact is, as established as the moon is established in the heavens, and it looks like the moon is going to be there for a long time, well, God will make good his covenant with David. He will be faithful to keep that covenant. Lord, where are your former loving kindness? which you swore to David in your truth. Psalm 89, verse 49. Now, in the light of these truths, the psalmist must ask, Lord, where are your former loving kindnesses, which you swore to David in your truth? Well, this is his basic question. Where is the fulfillment of the promise of a perpetual kingdom? He has felt the scorn and the ridicule of his countrymen as well as God's enemies who have reproached him. And so he asks this question, where are your former loving kindnesses? To these people who had gotten away from God at this time, it looked as if God had forgotten his covenant. But he hadn't forgotten his covenant. God is faithful. And he has the man to sit on the throne of David. And that man is Jesus Christ. He is coming again. He is coming back in power and in glory. As faithful as he was to the children of Israel, he will continue to be faithful to you and me. Once you have established that relationship with him, he says in his word, Anyone who comes to me, in no way will I cast that person away. To him who has received Jesus Christ, the power to become a child of God is given. God is faithful. He is faithful to forgive our sins when we have confessed them. He is faithful to make us the children of God when we come to him in faith. For God has given us eternal life, but this life is in his son Jesus Christ. The word of God says, he who has the son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And God's promise is he will give you eternal life if you have the Son. Do you have the Son of God? Keep on keeping on. God will watch over you for now and even for the time to come. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please write to The Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620, South Africa. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me give you that address again. It's The Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620, South Africa.